Hi, I'm Allison Pease, Associate to the Provost for Faculty at John Jay College. Welcome to our Distinguished Teaching Series, in which we celebrate the dedication to student-centered, innovative teaching practices of our Distinguished Teaching Prize winners. In today's interview, I talk with Matthew Perry, Associate Professor of History. I begin the interview by asking him what winning the Distinguished Teaching Prize means to him. Great honor. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with uh, a number of really great teachers, instructors here at John Jay, and um, it feels nice, I guess. I, I, um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's nice to be recognized for something that I value. One of the techniques you use in the classroom is having students write informal one-minute papers at the end of class periods. What are one-minute papers, and why do you use them? Uh, so this is a great technique that I use sometimes. Basically, at the end of class, I'll ask students to pull out a piece of paper uh, and write down a few sentences, maybe a paragraph. You know, I might ask them, well, what did you learn today in class, or what was the most important point made in the reading for today, uh, and then just have them write it down quickly before they leave and then turn it in. And it's a way for me to uh, both reinforce with the students what they learned, the act of kind of recalling and writing it down kind of helps them center their thoughts, and then I can kind of check in and see how students, you know, how well they're, they're um, I guess, uh, understanding the material. From student comments and the materials you submitted, it's clear that group work is central to your pedagogy. And I noticed that this year you are participating in the Teaching and Learning Center faculty seminar on collaborative learning. Can you share one or two things that you've picked up about collaborative learning over either the seminar or your many years of doing group work that you think might help others? I think some of us struggle with group work. Um, well, I think the, the, the challenge for me with group work is that it is inefficient that it is a slower process to get to where you want to end up. Mm -hmm. And you have to be okay with that. And I think it's something for myself that I, I'm always kind of wrestling with it because there is, it, there is kind of a, just an inefficiency built in as students uh, not only are trying to kind of negotiate with material but negotiate with one another and how they're working together. But that being said, I think it's, it's valuable uh, because it can produce, I guess, better learning. But I think that students can, uh, in the end, get more out of the process um, just in part because it's it's not always an easy process to, uh, to go through. The other thing I found is that students themselves really don't like the idea of group work at first. Um, I found that, right? right? Students often feel like they're wasting their time in groups. Or else the idea that they feel like they have to carry the load, um, that you know other students aren't really pulling a fair share or something like that, that never goes away for some students, especially if the group doesn't work out as, as, as well as it should. But I do find that uh, students generally enjoy it more than they think they're going to. Okay, so what do you put in place to try to minimize the inefficiency of it or, you know, the, the uneven quality of the individual participants, etc.? I should say most of the time when I use group work, um, it's used more informally 
as opposed to doing a formal assignment that's going to be graded. And in some ways, I think that makes it easier for many students because they feel that um, their grade doesn't rest as heavy on it. And so that they're more inclined to experiment or try something new or um, okay if things don't work out at the end of the day. And so some ways that I try to make them as productive as possible, I guess, is, is trying to kind of craft an assignment that is doable with a set period of time with a number of students working on it, uh, and then try to give them guidance, uh, especially in terms of focus questions, so questions that they're, that they're supposed to answer, or in a few cases, uh, I don't do this as, as much as some of my colleagues do, but, but having students assigned particular roles um, so that they have a job, uh, you know, that one person is responsible for collecting this type of information, one student is going to be responsible for presenting the information to the class, and so when they have a particular kind of responsibility kind of in mind as opposed to uh, just needing to kind of do everything, that that helps them to, I guess, get something valuable out of the experience. So your area of scholarly, scholarly research is ancient Roman slavery and citizenship. Mm -hmm. How do you make that relevant for students who might see that as irrelevant to their learning and their lives. Well, that's, I mean, that's a that's a fair question, um, and I think it's it's not just about my own area of research, but I mean, you could even say that this is uh, about kind of ancient history in general. Uh, yeah. Um, and so the way that I explain it to my students, and um, and it's something I believe as well too, is that um, first and foremost, it helps us to explain the. the the, the state of the modern world. Um, so especially in, in addition to the slavery and citizenship, for example, one of my uh, important kind of research fields is looking at how gender intersects, intersects with uh, these two categories. And, you know, if talking about, you know, something related to gender and social status in the ancient world, looking at how, or telling students and, and looking at how many of the beliefs or assumptions that develop in the ancient world continue to shape contemporary society. And then at the same time, telling them or, or working with them to see how the ancient world differs from the contemporary world and understanding kind of the flexibility of certain ideas such as, well, there was a different understanding of what it meant to be in a family at this point in time and understanding that, that, uh, that some of these concepts or, or institutions that we kind of accept as normal uh, are again the product of our society, product of historical changes, uh, which also means that they can change in the future as well too. Matt, you've been teaching at John Jay for more than 10 years. What are you most proud of? Really, I think the, I don't know if this is quite what you're asking. I mean, the, the thing that I'm most proud of is is seeing students do something successful, right? Uh, especially students that I've been working with. And so the, the, the example that pops into my mind first is in the history department, 
uh, we have uh, students who, in the process of writing their senior theses, uh, give uh, an oral presentation. And seeing students, you know, who are able to um, really, you know, produce an interesting project and an interesting presentation, even though that you know that they've been struggling with it over time, is, is something that's really kind of wonderful to see. And I think that's the time, you know, in, in some of these cases I might be working with a student, or in other cases it might just be indirectly involved, that the student was in my class at one point during their, their academic career or something. But, but seeing the growth that, that the students have over the course of the semester and, and over the course of their careers is, is the thing that I'm, I guess, happiest to see. And I'm, I'm proud that when I have the opportunity to play a small part in that. is trying to get more students involved in the kind of in, in, in the learning process. Um, something that I, I really value uh, are, are you know, trying to help students become active learners. And that's a really important part of my pedagogy. And you see it succeeding in, in some cases, which is really wonderful to see. And there's still uh, a lot of students that, for whatever reason, can't get them involved, either can't get them to buy in, or there's other factors at play, and I think that I can do a better job trying to get more students um, participating in class, participating in the learning environment, succeeding in the course assignments. One of the things that you do in your first year courses is you provide students with a set of self-reflective questions. They get to involve their whole selves. They can include their feelings about course materials, campus features, and answers. I was really excited and interested to see that there. Um, I've read the literature that says self-reflection is really important for student learning. And I'm just going to share my gender bias. I was happy to see it on a male professor's syllabus um, because I feel sometimes when I attempt these kinds of questions, I am looked at as a female professor asking these touchy-feely questions, even though I know it's good pedagogy. Now, I'm not going to ask you a question about the gender, but I want to ask, I mean, I'm just sort of putting that out there, um, unless you want to address it. But why do you do it, and what are your experiences with it? What do you do with the answers, et cetera? So that's, that's a, it's an interesting question, um, especially because... As a historian, I'm actually very wary of self-reflection papers. Mm. And again, recognizing that they have an important role in, in, uh, in pedagogy, one of the things that um, we as kind of history instructors strive to do is to remove students, uh, uh, to... to get students from thinking about their own personal responses and thinking about um, the responses of historical actors. So for example, you know, if we're talking about something related to, to ancient slavery, you know, students will want to explain how they feel about it, um, why they think that this practice might be wrong, um, which again is, is a completely valid discussion to have. But part of my job as a, as a history instructor is looking at, well, the voices of the historical actors. So how do 
you know, th- how does this Roman author justify or explain the process, or why don't why don't they even feel the need to justify the process, or how can they have a different understanding of what is justice, you know, than you might? So I, I went into it again as something that I felt you know wary about incorporating in history classes and. Um, the reason that I include it in, in the first year seminar classes is is primarily because it's, it was an expected part of the class itself, right? That um, that those running the first year program really wanted this reflective element uh, to be part of the student's experience. And I have to say, I'm still wary about it as a historian, <laughs> but as an instructor teaching a first year seminar, I, I really I enjoy it and think that it's valuable. So I have a little bit of, of kind of uh, of an internal tension going on here. Um, but the the students themselves, one, uh, it's nice because they're they're more excited uh, to write these. I found than their um, uh, uh, say writing about some long dead historical you know <laughs> actor because they can you know share their thoughts about something that they feel passionately about or that they feel um, interested in or something like that. Um, and so what I do with them, not a lot in the sense of, like, they're, they're not graded. They don't factor into students' grades. Um, I use them myself to get to know the students, to try to get a sense of what students uh, are interested in. And maybe I can, you know, kind of incorporate certain elements or certain themes into the class. Um, I guess it's a way of also seeing if students have questions about their experiences at John Jay um, that I might talk to them about or that we have a, um, a peer advisor working with us in the first year seminar classes that I might pass along to them and say, okay, well, you, know, you might want to you know, share this information about student organizations or something like that if you're, if you're meeting with a student. small adjustments to teaching that can positively affect student learning. Is there some little thing that you do that you think if others adopted, um, they too could have a positive effect on student learning? So if I was to say, you know, something little that I think is really important is really to have some variety in the classroom. And by that I mean try to shift activities um, over the course of the class. that uh, So something that I try to do is, you know, there might be uh, a little bit of lecture, might have the students then transition and do some small group work, do a little bit more lecture, question and answer session. But uh, switching gears, switching to another activity, I think can help students uh, stay plugged in. It kind of keeps, uh, it keeps the attention going, especially uh, shifting from a, a more passive uh, experience like listening to me talk for a few minutes to something active where they're talking with their neighbor or writing something down, and I think, in my my opinion, that that's something that is is the most valuable thing that instructors can do is just do something different, you know, over the course of a class. Matthew Perry, winner of the John Jay Distinguished Teaching Prize 2019. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you so much. 